Quick disclaimer before this week's episode, we recorded this when Brian and I still worked on the same team. Sad, I know. But throughout this episode, you'll hear me reference Brian's boss as our boss. Unfortunately, this isn't the case anymore, so if you tuned in the last few weeks, apologies for any continuity errors. Hello again, and welcome everybody. This is Brian. And this is John. You're listening to The Big Balance, the podcast for anybody looking for clear, simple advice they can actually apply. Give us a little of your time each week, and we'll help you figure out work, life, and everything in between. You remember last episode we were talking about how you had an encounter with that guy at the baseball parking lot. Yes. And I I had a similar experience this morning. Okay, do tell. I was actually the guy. I was the jerk in this situation. So I I obviously didn't take my advice from the last episode. But uh, (laughs) basically what happened, I'm on my way into my daughter's daycare to drop her off. And you know how towns have town mottos? Like Trenton is Trenton makes and the world takes. Yeah, yeah. If King of Prussia ever gets a town motto, I am petitioning for it to be "Welcome to King of Prussia, merge left," because every <laughs> single road is a two-lane road and one lane invariably merges. You can't drive through King of Prussia without a lane closure somewhere. I don't know why they built it like that, but on my way to daycare, there's one of these roads. It's at a light, and a lot of people will try to get around traffic and kind of one-up everybody by getting in the the lane that ends and then gunning it through the intersection to be first. A car this morning zipped up on side of me. I didn't see it, and because he was going so fast and the car in front of me was going normal speed, he got in front of me inches from my bumper and then had to put on his brakes. Oh, that, that drives me up a wall. (laughs) Drives me up a wall. And I'm thinking, you know, I got my kid in the car. I'm not going to road rage or anything, but he's driving the same way I am. He's making the same turns. I am. I'm thinking, all right, well, we pass by a school. A lot of parents drop their kids off at this school. Nope. Goes through that and makes a turn into my daughter's daycare. And I'm thinking, Brian, do not, Don't get out of the car and uh, don't make a scene. Obviously, this guy is a parent you're probably going to see again sometime. But as soon as he stops his car, immediately I'm out the door. And I didn't, I I wasn't profane. I wasn't insulting. I'll say what I said. I I, obviously I was yelling at the time. I'm like, you know, what, what were you doing? Like, I have a kid in my car. Clearly, you have a kid in yours. Why would you drive like that? I'm, I'm yeah. Obviously, voices raised a little bit. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't want you to be sorry. I want you to not do it again. Not in the right here. He did a jerk move, but I, I didn't respond any better. I, I responded worse. Well, I do have to admit, I'm very much the same when it comes to road rage. I have very little patience for things like that, so I can sympathize. Yeah. I want to start today's episode off with a little anecdote, as if that isn't always how we start our episodes, right? We're, we're one with anecdotes. Yes, we have a lot of yes. Them. But nonetheless, I think this story is a great way to introduce this week's topic. An important part of a consultant's role is having a pulse on the market and understanding what our clients are not only dealing with, but what their competitors are doing in reaction to certain trends or hiccups in the market, if you will. So with this territory comes a lot of research. So the question is, how do we demonstrate our expertise to prospective clients? How do we sell ourselves? Brian, I'd say one area that we're very familiar with is the idea of thought leadership and how to disseminate information that way. 
things like blogs, webinars, white papers. I write a lot of blogs, <laughs> a lot of blogs these days. Yeah. As we've recorded more and more for the pod, I realize I'm very much interested in another angle. I think there's an opportunity for me to start building out different types of materials and deliverables using the exact same equipment I use for the pod. On my own initiative, I made a sample for our boss of what I had in mind. Think uh, a short little video explaining a certain topic with yours truly providing the, the voiceover, the narration. Well, my boss really liked it and shared it with their boss. And for those two hours I spent working on that, I felt more motivated and had more vigor for the work I was doing, more so than I have on a lot of projects recently. And it was in that moment that I decided for myself, from here on out, if I want to be fulfilled at work, I'm going to have to carve out those opportunities for myself and not just let them come to me organically, if you will. I got to say, the the stuff you put out also as glamorous as everything we do in our white collar day is you took a dry subject you put some interesting spin on it just with the way you went through the material and the, and the music you added so definitely good product it's just does an employer always recognize the value of the products that we all put out that might not fit in our actual day job descriptions so with that i think that's a great segue into today's topic can take pride in seeing the home he's built for a family. He's worked hard and can see the fruits of his labor directly in front of him. But what about the white-collar worker struggling to see beyond their cubicle walls? Feeling satisfied is hard when you can't see the impact your job has. For those of us working in what feels like a bureaucratic mess, we may never see the impact of our job. This can be discouraging and certainly doesn't create a sense of pride. In this episode, let's talk about feeling a sense of satisfaction, either through finding meaning, or creating it. Easier said than done, right? But let's take the power back and create that meaning together. To get the ball rolling here, Brian, let me ask you a question. What's one aspect of your job that you really enjoy? So I've been very much into the training element of my role. Sure. And also just working with clients to identify not just what a problem is, but brainstorming solutions is something that it's it's not a paint-by-numbers type job, and that makes it always interesting, and I like that. For me, one thing that I will always enjoy, and this probably isn't even an actual task, but it's really the feeling you get after you nail a presentation. That adrenaline's usually kicked up a tiny little bit. I hop off the call, I walk out of the room feeling jazzed, amped, insert your word of choice here, but I know this kind of sounds dorky and you're absolutely right, full dork mode activated here, but there's no turning back now. I, I will fully admit, I love giving a good presentation. Yeah, and our company is one where that kind of thing is actually always appreciated and you give a good speech, people are always like, man, you did a great job on that. It's like, it really strokes your ego a little bit. It totally does and I'm all about that as if this isn't a pure vanity project in itself recording with you right now, right? Yeah. Well, as I sit and wonder every day how I can find more fulfillment in my life and career, I occasionally go down some Google rabbit holes, and boy, did I go down a rabbit hole here, Brian. Let's take a look at what one publication has deemed the most satisfying and fulfilling career options out there. I can't imagine the crazy stuff that you can find on Google about greatest profession. 
the weird things that you can find. I'm, I'm excited. Let's go. <laughs> this one's a treat, boy. Okay, so starting off at number 15 on the list, I'm not going to go through all of them, but this is top 15, starting off at number 15 at the bottom here. Teachers. Yes, teachers are oftentimes... That's a hard one. That's I can't imagine a more stressful job. So Yeah, oftentimes they're listed as one of the most satisfied with their work, but one thing I think is interesting here is I personally know a couple teachers... And I think they would all agree they love their job, but at the same time, I know they absolutely bring their job home with them sometimes. They work late hours. They stress over a number of different things. So my question is, what makes them satisfied if they have all these extras added to their 40 hours, you know? And for me, it's not even that you're bringing work. I think a lot of us bring work home every once in a while. For me, the idea that just sets me on edge if I were to ever consider being a teacher everybody's against you, right? The the administration is kind of on the cheaper end. There's not a lot of money in the budget. They have to be sparing with what they do, and they don't necessarily get it, right? Boards of school districts aren't necessarily even made of teachers. They might not know what needs to go on. Yeah. Meanwhile, the kids and the the kids view you. The kids think they're in jail when they're at school, and they view you as the warden. <laughs> so your superiors might not give you the respect you deserve. Kids are clearly not going to give you the respect you deserve, and the parents either. So I, I feel like every angle you could be attacked on as a teacher, I feel you are, and I can't imagine. For what it's worth, we're a very pro-teacher pod, so that's uh, go teachers. Yes. So moving up the list at number 10... Physical therapist. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll admit this one was a little wacky, and I think this whole list is a little wacky, but as I was looking through the list, I noticed there was a trend. Many of these jobs require a significant amount of schooling and education outside of what we'll call the traditional four-year bachelor's degree or two-years associate degree. And while I'm sure physical therapists are probably extremely happy and satisfied, I can say that... I have never had any desire to explore that career path. Physical therapy, really biology-focused work, therapeutics, I don't know what the proper term is there, but I'm definitely not that type of person. That's not for me. I feel like being a physical therapist, you can't be too empathetic. And if that sounds weird, have you ever had physical therapy or known anybody who's gone through physical therapy? Both of my parents have gone through multiple bouts of different types of physical therapy. I've, you know, yeah, I'm very familiar. They're usually, to your point about teachers, they're the jail wardens too, I guess, in a sense, right? Yeah, well, I mean, when you think about <laughs> or it. Or the drill sergeant. Yeah, when you, logically speaking, if the activities that you had to do after recovering from an injury were easy or painless, you wouldn't need to have anybody help you with it. You'd do it yourself. And the <laughs> things that a physical therapist does... And I won't get into detail. It's a bit of a gory detail. I had a friend. Actually, it's a teacher friend. So full circle with number 15. Wow. Look yeah. at that. Um, he was walking his dog and a stray dog attacked them. And he was holding his dog. He's a tiny little dog. And he was holding it above his head and had a like a gouge taken out of his leg. Ooh. Now, not a good injury. Had to go to a hospital and had to go to physical therapy. The description of how the physical therapist had to clean and manage the the wound and the exercises he had to do and the physical work on the leg, not for the faint of heart at all. Nah. Now I'm getting a little like queasy thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to number five, dentist. Again, this is a what? career path. Yeah, right? So again, this is a career path that's clearly not for everyone. And I feel like this list could have maybe lumped 
all of these into that particular bucket or career type. At this point, we're talking about doctors and dentists, things the average American and shoot the average person across the world is not cut out to be. I know I'm sure as hell not cut out to be a doctor, which is why I'm calling this list baloney. But before we I got can, another story here, another another probably not safe for podcast, not 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 safe. You know, give us <laughs> give us the give us the clean version, right? Yeah, let me let me tell you about my friend who lasted all of a month as a dental hygienist. Oh, that's an, that's another career path. I'm sorry, I I don't take good care enough of my own teeth to to be <laughs> scolding somebody else. Well, this was this was extra creepy, uh, creepy, gross, whatever you want. Working with a patient, cleaning his teeth, finds a, a piece of steak in there. Obviously, the oh. guy didn't floss too well. Oh. He says, "Oh, it looks like I had steak last night." He said, "Oh, not for not for a few days." Oh, guys, oh. like rotting cow flesh just in your mouth for days. No, I, I don't. I don't need to see that as part of my day job. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with paperwork and, and, <laughs> and pushing paper. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, me too. All right. So before we jump away from this list and completely scoff it off, like I said, do you want to take a guess at what they have labeled as the most satisfying and fulfilling career path? Do you want to take a guess if I'll have a gross story to go with it? <laughs> I don't think, you know what? I hope you don't have a gross story to go Challenge, with Challenge, I hope you don't have a gross way story for this. So this one is absolutely, I 100% believe, in no way, a career path for everyone. Clergymen. They said a clergy. clergy. Yeah, like a pastor or a priest or something. That's, I mean, that's literally a calling. That's, that's not for, well, hey, I mean, it's, as far as fulfillment goes, if you're a religious person, I, I don't think you can get closer to your religion than that. Right? right, and I really don't have much to comment on this other than we're talking about a good majority of the, the world's population believe in some form of religion, right? But without doing any research into the numbers, I would imagine clergy to parishioner ratio, it's got to be like one to every 10,000, 100,000. I don't know, but come on. No one's reading this list and thinking to themselves, well, I guess I should look for a new career path. Have I ever considered pastor? <laughs> Have I thought of God right. lately? So we're talking about lists of uh, the best jobs or, I guess, most fulfilling jobs. But what's your most fulfilling job, John? Oh, that's tough. And I and I probably could take a corny answer or a corny approach, and I would say fiancé and soon-to-be husband is the most important job, right? <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. Is Rachel in the room with you right now? She is not. She is not, and there's nothing. Say a safety word. Say pumpkin. Pointed. Say pumpkin <laughs> if you're safe. Yeah, that's what it's... <laughs> no, I don't need any pumpkins. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I guess for me, a lot of that falls outside of my day job. I think for me, I've really enjoyed working as a, as a musician, so bandmate. Is that an acceptable answer? Sure. What about you? For you know what job I've always romanticized, and I I recognize that I I'm probably taking a very romantic view of this, but I've always thought forest ranger at a big national park would be just a really cool gig, and I'm sure there's a lot of grunt work that goes into it too, but being in nature, helping protect a natural environment, helping others enjoy it. That just sounds really great to me, and, and I, I'll also sure. admit uh, I'm a big Kerouac fan, and certainly his time as a, a forest fire lookout he's written about, and I just think that would be a really cool gig to do. I think that's a great answer. I, I, I really like that answer. But with all this talk about fulfillment and being happy with your career and job, um, 
I still think there's one thing missing that this list did not touch on. How do we actually find fulfillment ourselves? And after the break, let's brainstorm together. another look at that story I presented at the top of the show. No one asked me to do what I did, and to be completely honest, I'm okay that nothing's likely going to come of it, but I really enjoyed the exercise. I would love that opportunity to do it again, and it was fun, but by putting myself out there, I at least know that I opened up the possibility for it, and potentially maybe more opportunities like it, so at the very least, I feel happy knowing that avenue is available to me. But I think that brings up the question of whether or not happiness and fulfillment are the same thing. Brian, do you get what I'm saying? Like, you can be happy, but not necessarily be 100% fully fulfilled and satisfied. Would would you agree? I would agree. I, I wonder if part of that is also just complacency, though, instead of happiness. Because I feel like I'm going to wax philosophical here a little bit. If we're viewing happiness as just the absence of pain... Yeah, you can be happy at work without being necessarily fulfilled. And uh, I don't know. If, can I go on a tangent right here? Go for it. Uh, as I'm looking at advice around the internet on this topic, I see a lot of articles or blogs about what you two can do to be happier at work. And sure. a lot of them boil down to, hey, not feeling valued at work? Work harder. Or better understand your company's vision and goals. And I have to think to myself, what company is paying for these articles? Because they're really not aimed at helping people find the answers they're, they're really looking for, right? And I think that's why we started this podcast. All the messaging that I'm seeing out there really speaks from an organizational standpoint. Let's get more voices from the other side. So that's what we're doing here. I think my research really echoed or you know mirrored a lot of what you saw. And I do want to share, there was one one piece of advice that I thought was the worst. And really, to your point about what company wrote it, I think at this point, this is corporate propaganda. You ready for this? Be grateful. It could be worse. That, oh was, that my... was legitimately on a can list. I, can I share this story? Absolutely. It's, <laughs> it's not my story. It's uh, it's Sarah's. It's my. I don't even know if I've ever mentioned my wife by name, but my wife, Sarah. Oh, there you go. Um, hey <laughs> yeah uh, hi sarah she had a job a number of years she's she has since left but uh, a number of years ago she had this job and people were not happy they were leaving i, I don't want to say in mass but morale was pretty low and people didn't feel valued and they just left and management was a bit slow to catch on but eventually they did way too late to really do very much and they had a meeting to uh, to address the issue in the worst way possible. Her manager essentially told them, "Buck up because it could be worse." You know, to your point, that's well, well yeah, but Oof. it could also be better, right? Oof, and yeah. then he got weird with it. He said, "Well, you know, it's not like anybody's getting glass thrown at them here." And it's like, what? Like, what the hell kind of work environment does this guy it's come from? It's a very from? odd metaphor. Yeah. It's, 
flying glass <laughs> shards are his go-to? Like, where does that even... Okay, some advice to any management teams out there. If your claim to fame is not hurling glass at your employees, you're setting a really low bar. I don't know. Like, get a better compensation package or something together. It's... it's uh, No, you're right. It's <laughs> Things could be worse. Well, of course things could be worse. But things can also be better. And don't we all owe it to ourselves to find that out? Absolutely. And I think all of us should feel empowered to do that one way or another. I mean, the whole point as to why we're calling this the Big Balance Podcast is because that's really the balance of work life. And one of the things that I would recommend is finding fulfillment outside of work. Don't necessarily look to your work 100% of the time to find that fulfillment. Find pockets where you can feel fulfilled at work, but don't look to that to define who you are as a person. I think that's one area that I'm learning to come to terms with is that every single job or every single project is going to have its pros and cons. And I think we, we've all seen projects that have more cons than pros, but every opportunity you get to explore, learn something new. And again, this isn't corporate propaganda. No company is paying me to say this, but I think there is something to be said about you know, carving out little pockets for yourself to where you do feel happy and fulfilled in your day to day, finding those little wins. For me, I really enjoy working with clients. And that's been really fun for me lately, uh, having having that back as part of my job. So that's that's one thing that I've enjoyed lately. Let me ask you something, though. You've always worked for big companies, right? Yeah. Or uh, generally large companies. Yeah. yeah. Ours is probably one of the smaller that you've worked for. Is that accurate? If we're gonna yeah, if we're gonna look from what I consider my my career, not necessarily my working life, but my career, yeah, the smallest. For me, I've never worked at a big company like a Fortune five hundred or thousand. I've I've never done. In fact, the smallest company I worked for had five people when I came aboard, and I think it only grew to about thirty total. There are a lot of risks and drawbacks to that, but there's also benefits in terms of understanding the value you bring. Do you remember there was a Seinfeld episode where Kramer got a uh, a deli meat slicer? Do you recall that? I, yeah, I do remember that one. I actually I was going to say I'm not a huge Seinfeld Seinfeld guy, but that is one I have seen. So good pick. His big selling point is the slices are all surface area, and there's no place for the taste to hide. <laughs> Working for a small company, I feel like is oddly similar in the sense that everybody's impact is on that surface. You, know, you can see the impact you're having on each other and the customers, and you don't get to hide behind bureaucracy. At least for me, what I've liked about working for them is you do see your place a little bit more, and upper management is a lot more flexible in involving you in things because you know everybody's on the same team trying to achieve the same goal. That's one thing I was hoping to find coming to a smaller company, and in certain areas, I definitely got that. So I think that's an important thing to note there. My question to you is, what do we do if we're starting to feel like those cogs in the wheel? I think the first thing that we need to really do is understand what we even mean by value and meaning. Because at the end of the day, they can take a lot of forms and can mean a lot of things to different people. But the one thing I do know is meaning is not ever going to be passive. Once we find things that add value, we need to really take an inventory and figure out how we can actively put them in our lives. And what I mean by that is, what are you doing that doesn't contribute towards that value or that meaning in your life? And of those things, are any of them necessary, right? Like cooking dinner is not necessarily something I find to be hugely meaningful. It's something that 
I do because I need to not starve and my family needs to not starve. <laughs> Can't really get rid of it. But everything else, the things that aren't necessary, but also aren't what we deem as value or purposeful in our lives. Can we clear them away to really work on things that are so, meaningful? Brian, I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit there. Um, using the the dinner analogy there, I actually really enjoy cooking dinner at the end of the at the end of the workday, and that's something that my fiance and I both enjoy is trying out new recipes and creating a menu for ourselves that we we eat in every night. So part of saving up for the wedding meant not going out to eat as often as we like to. So. Creating that menu at the beginning of the week, or even in this case, we made the menu on Friday for the following week, is something that we enjoy doing together. It's not always the easiest decisions. It's like pulling teeth sometimes. Uh, but the point being, we look forward to doing that at the end of the week or at the end of the workday um, every week. And it's something that we enjoy doing together. And I feel fulfilled doing that because... You know, to quote earlier, I actually see my my labor, the fruits of my labor, right in front of me. Yeah, that's a good point. I I guess let me backtrack on on my own example. Is backpedaling? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna backpedal a little bit here. When I think about things that are meaningful, at least to me, they're things that don't really stand alone, right? And when I was thinking about cooking, I was kind of thinking about it in terms of just me solo, but. Things that have meaning or, or meaning we can have or value we can have are things that relate to others or can be shared with others, right? And I yeah. think the way that you and your fiance go about it, yeah, that, that does create meaning. So I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack and backpedal on my uh, on my example. So thank you for changing my mind. Uh, no, no, but I think you do bring up something sometimes if you're feeling unmotivated at work or maybe a little unfocused, clearing those distractions is absolutely sad advice to give during the workday. To maybe make a more individual approach to it. One thing that I can say, if we're going to even look at it through the lens of working, I guess some advice that I could give or something that I've seen is finding new ways to learn something new and, you know, making goals and setting personal missions. Yeah, that's all fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, the only person who's going to make you feel fulfilled is yourself. So you need to define and establish that own personal meaning for yourself and whether that be your day job your your day-to-day -day, doing something you love like a hobby something like that but you need to find that fulfillment yourself and i can tell you different ways that i do it for me but you know it's all talk until you you figure out what works best for you yeah the the one not necessarily a warning but the one thing i'll say and it's, it's gonna sound weird so i'll, I'll couch it in an example but when is it going to be a food analogy? Sorry. It's actually, I mean, I probably could make it one, but no, it's not. <laughs> I get um, Yeah. Think about any ads that you've ever seen in your life. The goal of advertising is to make consumption-based things seem important to us, right? That's what we see on TV. Buy this thing and you will be better, feel better, look better, what, whatever. You'll what get happened. the girl, whatever, yeah. Get the girl, whatever, you, whatever, you, uh, whatever you're going for. Take shoes as an example. Can you be passionate about shoes? Actually, yeah. You can find meaning around shoes. There are people that write about shoes and socialize around shoes and learn the history of, of shoe businesses and maybe even start their own shoe design company. But it's a rare person who takes it to that level. How many other people... Go and buy a ton of shoes as a form of shopping therapy, and that's about as far as they take it. I would say probably a lot more. For those people, 
does buying shoes dead end before the point of being meaningful? Are we going to look back and say, man, I went on a pursuit of meaning and all I ended up with was a bunch of shoes. <laughs> I assume for a lot of people it does. It's a red herring to really preoccupy ourselves with. So when we're looking at something as, is this going to bring value to my life? Is this going to be meaningful for me? We really have to stop and think, 10 years down the road, are we going to look back on this and say, that was something that brought meaning to me, or was it really just a waste of time? And two examples here to, to kind of, on both sides of the equation, John, you've been playing music for how long? Uh, longer than I can count. We'll, we'll say 15 years. Yeah, you've met people, you've gone places that you wouldn't have gone, you've done Absolutely. things, learned skills, right? And that's, yep. that I would say seems pretty valuable to me, right? Yep. No, it's I, experiences I wouldn't trade yeah. for anything. Now, I am not a video game player, not that good at them, but I know a lot of people are, and there are people that go, I guess, pro, what, what do they even call that? Esports. Esports, yep. yes. I know there are pro esports players and people who take video games very seriously, and that's great, but for every one of those people, how many people will go and play games as a form of stress relief that's fine? But you look back, has any of that stuck with you? And I guess maybe today games are a bit more social than when I was young and growing up. But I just feel like it's it's time that you don't get back. And if it's not really going towards some real meaning or growing and developing yourself as a person, you know, I, I wonder if it is something that we should be striving towards. Does that make sense? Uh, a little bit. And, and I think we are turning into point-counterpoint here because uh, as far as the video game nice. example, I am going to disagree with you a little Drop bit. Drop a comment on who is right. <laughs> yes. Who yeah. do you agree with? <laughs> so uh, one thing I, I will say, and, and just using the video game example, because video games have become a different form of art and a different form of expression for a lot of developers, but also it's an interactive art for a lot of players. Video games in the sense of narrative-based video games are, are super fun and they are fulfilling. And it's the same way that you feel when you've watched a great film that you know is a piece of art. I'm passionate about watching films and I love discussing and talking about films. One thing I think that you're kind of scratching at a little bit and I didn't even realize this until I started to talk through it. I think what makes it fulfilling is that social aspect for me. And not even in the sense that I'm playing with other players is that I can talk to somebody about it. It's the conversations and the opinions you have about art and conversing with one another about why you have those opinions or interpretations and I think maybe that's where I get the fulfillment out of those forms of art and avenues of expression well Brian I don't know about you but that was pretty fulfilling for me I think every recording we do is fulfilling that's why we're here yeah otherwise why the hell are we doing this right so I guess if there's any takeaways from today's episode to you, dear listener, is find something you care about, find fulfillment where you can. Enjoy right? life, find meaning, go go be passionate. Well, thank you as always. Um, I'm John. I'm Brian. And you were listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Thanks again. Thank you all and good night. Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time. <laughs>